Come, Holy Spirit. Kindle the fire within us. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls on fire. Please be seated. Welcome to Good Shepherd. Good to see you with us this morning. Um, for those who are visiting today, welcome to this wonderful parish. It's a gift and a blessing to have you here and to share this time with you and to share this place. Get a big old handful of this. This is God's love. This is God's love. Um, if you're sitting near people um, that you are not familiar with, you don't recognize them as, as the people you're used to seeing here, make yourself known to them and make them welcome. You know we're a good and welcoming place. We're a little bit loud sometimes. So um, help people enter into this. Jesus coming to his own people today. And he doesn't receive that good shepherd welcome, does he? <laughs> and you go, boy, you would expect it something else, wouldn't you? He comes to the people who are his own. And rather than being embraced by them and celebrating the, the hometown boy who is who's done God's work and people are talking about the kingdom of God is here and, and it's through this one of your own, they take offense at him. They take offense. You know, there's a lot of things that happen to us that hurt us. There's probably a lot of things we do to others that hurt them. But perhaps it's rejection that does the most damage. Of being rejected by your own people. Of being rejected by a mother, a father, being rejected by a spouse or a family member, of being shunned, of being put down. That hurts. That hurts. Of not being embraced and not having your life and your being and your work celebrated by those who should love you the most. But instead, experiencing like Jesus does when he comes to those people that know him the most and should love him the most, he is rejected. He's put down. That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. And it's not just family that can do that. Church people can do that to members of their own church family. We call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. But we get into arguments about things. We want to be right. For me to be right, that means that somebody else must be wrong. Must be wrong. Right? We do that? No. No, not us. Right? That's the world we live in. Idea is called zero sum. Zero sum means that for somebody to receive, somebody else has to lose. For someone to be right, somebody else has to be wrong. For someone to be safe means somebody else must be unsafe. That's the world we live in. The us and the them, the right and the wrong. And Jesus is experiencing this. And it's interesting, I think, that he invites those who have been with him. Just last week, we heard this story about how there was a 
synagogue leader whose child was in distress, and Jesus went and raised that little girl from the dead. And you would think that when he came home, people would be amazed and want to get close to that. And they rejected. And he's done all this teaching and teaching with authority and, and healing and raising the dead, and yet he comes home. And they find him to be a threat. And they reject him because of what he's doing. They reject him. And he has his disciples, they follow him because he wants them to see that in spite of all the things you try to do to be a follower of Christ, there will be those who cannot receive that and will reject you. Because if you're right, they think that means that they have to be wrong. And they will not be wrong. They'll drive them out. And he brings them along, and they see this, and what does he do? He says, okay, now that you know this is what life is about, Go out. He sends them out. He prepares them to deal with rejection. He prepares them. This is what you can expect. If they reject me, the world will reject you. If they don't receive my love and the kingdom of God that I manifest, they won't listen to me. Don't be surprised when they won't listen to you. We pray today. We pray today. For the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Lord, grace us with your Holy Spirit that we might keep your commandment. And what is that? To love you and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To not engage in that rejection. To not engage in that rejection. To figure out another way of being the people of God that doesn't involve dividing people into us and them, into winners and losers, of not rejecting people, but being able to love them as God loved us. Love God and love your neighbor. I'm reminded of um, Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was born in around 1905, 1904, um, he became a neurologist and a psychiatrist. He was born in Vienna, Austria. He's Jewish. He became a doctor and was doing wonderful work, but then, you know, the unpleasantness that arose in, in Western Europe when the Nazis took over. And he's living in Austria, and the first restriction on his giving back the gift of love that God has given him through medicine the first restriction is he was no longer allowed to work with anyone who was not Jewish. And then in 1944, Frankel and his wife, his parents, were sent to Auschwitz. Sent to Auschwitz. They killed his wife. They killed his parents. 
he was working on a manuscript, and he took a copy with him. He hid it in his coat. He called that manuscript his spiritual child. It represented his life's work. It represented the brilliance that God had given him and the work he was doing to help people. He called it a spiritual child, and he took a copy of his manuscript with him into Auschwitz. And he had it with him until one day when they took his clothes from him. His clothes. They've already killed your wife. They've killed the rest of your family. And now they've taken the very last thing that you have that is yours. Your clothing and your life's work. And in return, they gave him the rags off a prisoner who had just been executed. A man that they had just marched to the gas chambers. Here's your new clothing. Clothing off a dead Boy, that's a pretty dark place, isn't it? Talk about the, the, the nastiness of humanity. I mean, we talk about rejection where people don't like us because of views that we hold. But to talk about rejection where you reduce people down to being non-human. Non-human. So you can treat them horribly, but maintain some sense of, well, I'm a decent person because they're not people. That is the darkness he was in. And they took everything. We know these stories. We know the, the brutality of human against human. We know the rejection. And we know also that people knew about this and they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to get involved. That's rejection too. There are sins of commission and omission. And they're both bad. They're both evil. They're both against God's way. You can't stand on the sideline and say you're innocent. You can't do it. Frankel, with this new garb on, he said he reached into the pocket of that, that set of rags. And there was a piece of paper in there. And he pulled it out. It's a piece of scripture. And he read it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You know what that is? That's the Shema, the sacred prayer of the Jewish people. Hear, O Israel, there is one God, and that God is your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with every, every, every strength you have. Give God your everything. And he read that. And he calls it 
when, when, when you're reflected on that, he calls it a happy coincidence. A happy coincidence? In the midst of this horror that he's living through, to pull out a piece of scripture, in the midst of all this brutality, a message from God? Is it a bad joke? Did one of the prison guards want to torment him so they stuck it in there? And he thought about it. He thought about it. And he came to understand yes, wonderful words. But there comes a time in which our holy thoughts need to find some place other than in the written form and we must start living out our faith. We must start living out our faith. And if it is in the middle of this darkness, that's where you do it. That's where you do it. In that concentration camp, the lowest of humanity, the worst way that people can treat each other, in the middle of that darkness and that ultimate rejection where you kill other people because you no longer think of them as human. That's where God speaks to him and says, love me with everything you have. And you know how you do that? Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. In the midst of all that darkness and all that righteous anger and all that hatred, in the middle of all that, and if you think things are bad in our world, they're not nearly that bad. And he says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. He survived. He was a doctor. They put him to work as a doctor in 1945. The remaining prisoners in Auschwitz are free. He survived. He went on to have a career as a psychiatrist. He learned something in that about surviving the darkness, about surviving that kind of evil and ultimate rejection where people would kill others because they're no longer considered human. To not have any compassion for them, to not make the concerns and the suffering of the world their own because those people just don't count. He learned something in that. He borrowed a phrase, I mean, it's kind of strange, he borrowed a phrase from Nietzsche, an atheist. He said, the person who has the why can endure just about any how. <coughs> a person who has meaning in their life, something to hold on to and to make sense of life, can survive all rejection. Even in a place where it seemed to be that people had given up hope, thought the world forgot about them, he understood that even in that darkness, even in that fear, even in that suffering, and all that anger, in all that darkness, his life had meaning, which was to love God with everything and to love his neighbor as himself. 
to bring the light of God's love into dark places. And to overcome the rejection by being someone who receives everyone who needs to know the love of God. This is his way of understanding his purpose in life, his meaning in life, that never changes no matter where he is. Whether it's in a meadow somewhere with his beloved, as he had before, or in this place where everything he has has been taken from him and killed, the meaning of his life is still the same. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus comes to his own people and they reject him. I think they reject him. If you look at what happens in that story, the words that are used, they feel threatened by him. This is what people call an honor-shame society, where it's all about defending the honor you have and avoiding shame. And the way you defend your honor is sometimes by shaming others. And I think what's happened with Jesus, he's gone out and he's done the work of God and he's developed a reputation and he comes back and people feel threatened because he's changed the balance of honor in his family. Zero-sum thinking. If he's respected and honored, that must mean that somebody else no longer has their privileged place. Because they're thinking about this kind of scarcity where for one person to have more, somebody else must have less. And if that person's going to come in and claim some of the honor that I have, what I need to do is to shame that person and put them down. Notice what they talk about when they talk about his family. Isn't this, what do they call him? The carpenter. It's just the carpenter. Who do you think you are anyway? We know you. Remember when you used to run around here without your clothes on? That time you got in trouble for stealing those eggs. We know who you are. And they're trying to knock him down. He's just a carpenter. They mention his mom. What about his dad? Because he probably grew up in a place where there are all kinds of rumors about his parentage. Oh yeah, that story about his mom and some Holy Spirit thing and all that. Right? Don't you know there was some whispering going on? Had to send her away for a while. She's off with her Aunt Elizabeth, right? Right? We know about those things, right? There's all the whispering. Yeah, his mom's here. Everybody hear what we're saying? We don't know who his dad is. That's how we are to each other. We feel threatened. We feel threatened. We feel insecure. And so the way we deal with that is by rejecting other people. Whereas Jesus' way of doing things is saying, welcome to my table. Welcome. He welcomed everyone. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He welcomed all. And he talks about how well, he didn't like John the Baptist because he was a real hard butt about things and real pietist. And on the other hand, he called me a drunkard and a glutton and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And darn straight I am. Because they're all love. 
We pray this day for the salvation of our own damn souls. Excuse me. Because we know who we are. We know the evil we do. We know the things that we do and the things that we do not do that are not the way of God. We know that. We pray for God's Holy Spirit this day to forgive us, to anoint us with the ability to love everyone. And when that fear comes in that, boy, if we let those people in, that means that somehow our life is being threatened, that we reject that as evil. That is not the way of God and God's people. For the sins that we ourselves have committed where we've rejected people because of who they are and what they believe and how we feel threatened by them, we ask for God's Holy Spirit to make us better people this day. And for those people that, that we can look at and wish better for, People that we hope might have, like Paul had a Damascus Road experience, a dramatic change of heart and life. We pray that God's Holy Spirit would be given to them in double measure, that they too might be able to do what God calls us to do, no matter where we are, no matter who we're with. Love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Amen.